inspire, educate, connect. This is Yoga Digest, a vibrant community of passionate changemakers. Hi, I'm Kim Bauman, founder of One Love Movement, a nonprofit dedicated to advancing social justice for kids. I am so excited to bring you a podcast about people amplifying love and humanity out in the world. Please join me as I set out to discover what connects us all as one. Thank you so, so much for listening. everyone to a very special episode of One Love Movement podcast where we are recording live from Lake Como, Italy. Today my guests are two powerful and empowering humans out in the world who stand for people living their truth and for people loving and living joyfully in life. Please welcome Patrick Holmes and Eric Lachtefeld. All right, so uh, I wanted to start by, I thought it'd be fun to have each of you introduce each other, not in the way that you've done so far here at the retreat, but in a way where if someone has no idea who you are, what would you tell them about each other? So who wants to go first? Well, I'll start. Okay, go ahead. So tell us who this amazing, really funny man is sitting to the right of me. Well, uh, an epic entrepreneur. Um, with accomplishments that speak to his ability to see something, build it, and, uh, and um, make an impact with it. So a man that has uh, an accomplishment trail like nobody's business, but I always introduce him as, as that, but more so as a guy that walks through the world with this ginormous heart that is seemingly genetically hardwired to want to help figure out what is this person's bliss and how do I help them live it. It's an automatic process. It's always existed in my known 20-something years. I love that. What about you, Eric? Patrick Holmes today is one of the world's greatest storytellers. Um, Not unlike, dare I say, Apollo Coelho or Joseph Campbell. However, where he's transforming to and transcending to in my opinion, is to become one of the 13th, 14th enlightened souls in the world. I think he has that potential to join those amazing figures from around the world. If you don't know what that means, type in enlightened people into Google and do some research. Wow. That's quite a compliment, huh? Yeah. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, we are broadcasting here live from Lake Como, which is such an amazing, magical space to get to be. And um, the reason we're here in Lake Como is for a Bliss Champions retreat, and we'll get to that in a moment. So I'm a part of this, um, I call it a mastermind group because that's what it feels like to me. Um, And it's a group of individuals that have come together who are craving and they're, they're really after a heartfelt connection to their own inner joy. So for me, Patrick and Eric are, um, they are joy make-believers. And um, that's the reason why, okay, the real reason why I joined is because Patrick said, you you should look into this and I'll do whatever Patrick says because he's changed my life that much that I don't need him to tell me why. He just needs to say what to do. 
and I'll sign up. So I signed up without any information. And um, what I come to find out is I get connected to this man, Eric, and they've really become a cha- a, um, an advocate for, pe- for human beings to understand and know your value, your inner value, and what your gift and your offering is to the world. And so I want, that's why we're here in Lake Como. And I wanted to give one of you the opportunity to do a, a very short, what would you say if someone said, so what is this Bliss Champions thing? What would you, what would you say to that? Go. <laughs> if you have a secret or unrealized ambition, we're going to help pull that out of you and for you to step into that this year, now. And okay. live it fully expressed. So that you 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 come to this place where you go, I am the fullest expressed me in the most joyful way, and look at what it's doing, it's contributing to the world and mm-hmm. the people. So is secret is secret such that if you're feeling a sense of wanting more but you don't know what that more is, is that what you're speaking to when you say secret? No. no. Not for me. Okay. What's what's it for you? I believe that we keep it a secret from ourselves. I don't believe that people don't know. I think their subconscious mind knows all along, and it's our job to help bring that out. We've been lied to about people's bliss. We've been presented with one bliss, and then a month later, a whole other bliss, and then a third bliss comes forward, mm-hmm. the real one. I believe that it's inside everybody, but we have limiting beliefs preventing that from... Mm being uttered from our lips. We do have limiting beliefs. Uh, you know, something that uh, something that's really fascinating to me is people that I admire, I feel like they don't have limiting beliefs. I know they do, but in my mind, I put them in a separate container almost where, you know, how can Oprah have a bad day? How can you wake up and not feel good about yourself? How can you think, oh, I don't know what to say about, to describe what just happened to me because you're a storyteller. So what, what is a, what, Patrick, what is a limited belief that you have and what do you, what do you do when that happens? What, or, or a fear, a fear or a limited belief, kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, my limiting beliefs are in areas that are undeveloped in myself, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have uh, a limiting belief around my physicality. You know, uh, I look at people and I think, oh, other people are more capable of having a body like this or uh, having an elite performance at that level. Mm-hmm. They're more something than me. They're more athletic. They're, they're, uh, uh, so I have to, I'm working in process right now to figure out what kind of beliefs do they have and how do I change from these ones that hold me back to mm-hmm. being more of who I truly am, physically, so, physically mm-hmm. expressed, well, okay, energetically so, expressed. Okay. So your limited belief is um, your physicality and what would be your fear? What's your fear behind that? What are you afraid of in life? That I'm not good enough to, 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 to be the way I see some people physically expressed. Mm-hmm. See, now this is what's amazing to me. So somebody who I say, if he says, um, look into this, and I'll just join it because he, he said it's great. I don't need to know any information because that's who Patrick is to me. And so then I'm hearing him say that he, you know, his fear is that he's not good enough. So I just, lo- I, I love that dynamic in the sense of humanizing, humanizing everyone. We're all on the same plane. 
we all have our fears, we all have our obstacles. And okay, so Eric, what? Uh, so what? Are, like, what is one of your biggest fears that you wrestle sure. with? Sure. So I create false narratives for myself to protect myself from what I might be fearing. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, I'll be quick to say, I'm a really good event producer in the personal development space. Mm-hmm. But you won't often find me saying, I'm a master coach in the personal development space. I wouldn't even admit to being a coach until we were in month five. We were in quiet a retreat, and I had a coaching success that was really clear mm-hmm. from a process that I came in saying, I'm going to try this, and then it worked. And I'm like wow, I didn't just inspire there. I didn't just brainstorm. I know I'm good at those things. Mm-hmm. I actually coached that result. Mm-hmm. And so now as I sit here, my greatest desire is to become a master mentor coach. And so my limiting belief has been that I'm not a coach. Mm, you're not a coach. Okay. Mm. So what do, you, what do you do when that fear creeps inside your mind? How do you, how do you, manage, your, how do you manage the crazy? I'm going to jump in there. Yeah, again. please. I, this took me a long time to learn, um, but for me, what works best now is acknowledging that it's there and then sitting with it and just being like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, look at that. Uh, so instead of it being me now, I finally learned that it can be like a cloud that mm-hmm. is there. It's dumping rain, <laughs> it's, it's thunderstorms and lightning, and it feels terrible while uh-huh. it's there. But I just finally learned. It's just a cloud, dude. It's going to pass if you will just hit it out. And then it does, and it passes. If I, if I, as long as I don't run in fear from it, it goes so quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's alchemy. That's what alchemists were really expressing, mm-hmm. is that you can turn darkness into light. And so it's so wild to me that on the opposite side of fear is always just some kind of internal mm-hmm. self-love. Mm-hmm. that returns and says that there's nothing to be afraid of I got this and I depend on one other thing with extraordinary certainty mm-hmm. when I'm afraid it's always because something in me believes that I'm not good enough to do it and now I know I am good enough to do it because I'm supported by magical forces we all are mm-hmm. There is a history of people that have come before us who have written it down on pages that are always telling us the same thing about the bliss journey, which is when you go on it, you will be met with magical assistance and support when you really need Mm -hmm. it. So it's a game changer when you understand it's not you alone. It's you supported by something quite amazing. Mm -hmm. So you said a word, bliss journey. I just want to ask a question about that because I don't know if everyone would know what that means. Um, and I, something I know about you, Eric, is that you had, you know, what was your bliss journey to have this idea to even create Bliss Champions? I ended up in the hospital uh-huh. after buying a mega mansion that society says you've arrived once you get that and I worked very very hard for that beautiful property and when we were moving in it was 90 degrees and I basically collapsed down to my knees and uh, I didn't know what was wrong with me but uh, my wife took me to the doctor who then sent me immediately to the hospital and they did a test on my blood sugar and they can figure out the last 90 days my blood sugar was 650 
So your blood sugar is supposed to be 77 to 99. That's kind of the sweet spot. So I could have dropped dead of a stroke or a heart attack any day. And I was lying in the hospital there. I could have been thinking about, wow, I just bought a vineyard and now I can't drink wine the rest of my life. But I wasn't thinking that. Uh I was thinking, where did I not do the job? Mm -hmm. The only thing that matters to me, primarily. And I felt that I set out to breed dreamers in a prior career. And I changed a lot of lives for the better. But there weren't enough dreamers. So this time, I said, if I'm going to come back into personal development after being nine years, I'm going to be all in, fully committed, tying myself to the results. And uh, I'm going to make damn sure that there's transformation. The transformation that, not that I want for somebody, but that they want for themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's what led to this. Okay. So, you, so it's that moment where you were like, oh, I'm unhealthy and I need to shift. That moment that mm-hmm. if this was it mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to ascend to heaven, I'd have a few people at my funeral and they would all say the same thing, I bet. They'd say, gosh, that guy sure was inspirational. Right? Or maybe he was a good entrepreneur. Uh huh. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be thanked for inspiring you to not do your dreams. So I'd rather have 10 people at my funeral this time saying, that guy got into the ditch with me. Mm-hmm. He protected my back mm-hmm. and he would go to any length to help you with my dreams. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have 10 people say that than a million people say I was inspirational. Mm-hmm. And that's why our retreats are the size they are. Because Patrick and I both agree that at a certain point, too big of an audience is just inspiration mm-hmm. and entertainment. But this group size of eight... Mm-hmm. I believe is the perfect group size to have true transformation. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when you're in just inspiration with another 20,000 people in the arena with you, what do you take home with you? Like, what are your right. actions afterwards? That's what I struggle with. I've been to many inspira- inspirational things, but then I get home and I go back to my normal life. And I don't know how to insert what I just learned into uh, my daily routines. I don't know how to bring that into that space, so then I lose it. I eventually lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the? Who is the single most person that has uh, impacted and inspired your growth? Uh, your growth, yeah. Uh, Beth Lockfield. Okay. So Beth Lockfield was my first cousin from the East Coast side of the family. Very successful businesswoman. Uh, very cultured. Had traveled the world. Very very smart. Uh, wonderful laugh. Very gregarious. Uh, and ultimately, she was my bliss champion. Mm-hmm. So I was 25 years old. I had a, an idea for a business and a dream. And uh, I was at Gladstone's in Santa Monica over margaritas. Mm-hmm. And I slid my business plan nervously across. And uh, she opened it, flipped the pages, closed it, and said, when do you need the check? And so that was my Whoa. first time asking for help from really anyone when it came to my career. And two days later, FedEx had a check, small check for $25,000. But in 1995, that was a lot of money. Uh, In 2019, uh, that's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, she was the first. So uh, that's why I I asked for permission um, from my partner to name this company Bliss Champion Uh because I actually have a quote on my wall from her Uh um, that says, when you surround yourself by... Uh, a champion, any dream is possible. Uh So she was your champion. Yeah, Patrick delivered the word bliss 
and I asked for permission for the word champion mm-hmm. to join that terrific word that he brought into my life. And so you, uh, you know, I, I love that too because I, I feel like it's all over in your space where you'll mention her and I think it's so, so beautiful how you've carried out her legacy with your work here. It's like a tribute to who she was to you. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I see her in many things, and I often find myself saying that she would have loved this. She would have loved meeting Diane, in particular. <laughs> um, I even see a little bit of Beth in Diane. Diane. Yeah, <laughs> she has similar hair. She has. They both wear glasses. They're both into the arts. Um, they're very, both very knowledgeable about amazing things. So, ultimately, yeah, she's present for me all, all the time. Mm, I love that. That's so gorgeous. Uh, and you know, Patrick, I want to go back to uh, I want to go back to um, dehumanizing you a little bit. Okay, so at one point, I know that your big, crazy, wildest dream was to do a one-man comedy show. And um, prior to that, you had no self-confidence. You didn't believe in yourself. And I want to know. Um, and I, I feel like I might be asking for other people. I know for sure that it's, I am not unique in the sense that I show with my own, my own sense of self. So how did you get to that point enough where you believed in yourself enough, you had enough sense of self in order to say, okay, I don't think I'm funny, other people don't think I'm funny, but I re- my passion is to deliver this one-man show, one-man comedy show. Yeah. Like, what's that? What's that? What is that? How do you? Yeah. How do you get across that? Yeah. What was that moment? I love what you said, Kim, because to me, it's the first most important part. Is um, a lot of us, and this has been my path through life, um, don't have total belief or a massive belief in themselves when they're looking to to do something that they think would be amazing. Mm -hmm. But you have this choice where you can either sell out to what you can believe in, which in my case would be. I could believe in trailer houses and McDonald's and grocery stores in Millwork because that's what everybody did where I mm-hmm. grew up. But to believe in something like a theater stage, you know, and mm-hmm. an audience and a great performance, it was just a, like believing that I could get to that galaxy over there. Mm-hmm. But um, the greatest lesson I've learned for myself and what helped me was it's not about massive belief in the beginning, it's about just enough belief on one single day, mm-hmm. like four seconds of courage to take the first step. And so it's not just, so I did on I one that. single day, wake up and apparently have a better breakfast mm-hmm. and a better night's sleep mm-hmm. after 10 years of being afraid mm-hmm. to do it. So you had the dream for 10 years and you did no action on it. Too afraid yeah, for 10 that, years. That's, that's, I mean. And then when, on the, when, the, when I lined up the 20 seconds of courage, I filled out, uh, I saw in a window that you could do 15 minutes of a story in a dance studio in San Diego Mm -hmm. with other people that might be dancing. But it was open forum, Mm -hmm. and I just quickly filled that application before that window of belief closed. And then I got these, like, come on down. (laughs) It was terrifying. (laughs) It was terrifying. But that got the wheels in motion, and then from uh-huh. then on, you know, I could start building more belief. But my bliss, one of my one of my great bliss heroes is J.K. Rawlings, uh-huh. and I'm really fond of telling people that woman, that woman had an insanely low level of belief in her ability to be a writer. That woman 
struggled more than even me to believe that she could be mm -hmm. a writer. Mm -hmm. So if, 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 if J.K. Rawlings could go from so insecure that she would tell nobody through the end of college except mm -hmm. her sister that she dreamed of being a writer, but find enough courage to take a year to write a little book about mm -hmm. a boy wizard, then that shows all of us. Mm -hmm. It just takes just enough belief. So describe then, like what, okay, I, I love the four seconds of a day thing. I mean, I can, I can come without myself as far as moving forward, but so what, what, describe what that was like when you're in it for 10 years or, or so after the 10 years when you decide, okay, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take advantage of this four second window that I see here. So when you get to that point, describe like what is your, what are you moving through? What's your day like? What is the work that you're doing to get there? What or do to you build up to it? Yeah, what are oh you... Oh, my God, I love the question because the an apex moment in my theater career mm -hmm. when that thing took off was I found myself performing five nights in Dublin's just incredible Olympia Theater. Mm -hmm. Five nights, like 800 people a night. This was... And Sinead O'Connor, like one of my favorite musicians, her band was loading out. So I was in the, in the most unbelievable space. It was just an unimaginable space for me mm -hmm. to be performing in. And I, rem I sat in front of the mirror in dressing room B and asked myself, how did I get here? And mm -hmm. the deepest, true, most truthful answer was, during those 10 years where you were too afraid to take a stage, you kept the spark of that dream alive mm -hmm. by privately writing one story at a time, just trying to do anything you could mm -hmm. to become a storyteller someday. Mm. Even when it had to be secret, I never let that ember die out. Mm -hmm. And that's what's at risk. If you let the ember die out, if you don't blow on that ember once in a while, you're risking what your soul came here to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's my, that was my deepest fear and my number one driver mm. for decades in my life is I don't want to die having not done what I was here to do. That mm -hmm. terrified me. So that's the secret ambition you're talking about, right? Everybody right. is here. I'd also like to touch on mm -hmm. the length of time a person mm -hmm. can keep something secret or stay afraid. So you asked me about Beth, and mm -hmm. what your listeners don't know is she became my bliss champion. She also became my best friend. Yes, cousins mm -hmm. can be best friends. We traveled the world together. She was my angel, mm -hmm. um, and she was murdered. And all of a sudden, just like that, with a phone call, she's gone forever. And Holy shit. ultimately that happened in 2004 and I shut it down in one particular area. No more bliss champions for me. No more best friends for me. No more angels for me. And I went 14 years mm -hmm. afraid <laughs> to have a best friend. Mm -hmm. Just for starters, mm -hmm. let alone a bliss champion. Right. And the guy sitting next to me I don't know who said it first. I really don't remember. But somebody asked somebody to be their best friend. And uh, <laughs> it happened in December. I know that. And then in January, I think a couple best friends got kicked to the curb to make room for me. There certainly was not a line for me. And uh, I would say the greatest reward of this is that I have a Bliss Champion now. Mm -hmm. um, I know I'm a Bliss Champion for him, too. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say... And this isn't me just announcing our brand. Go find yourself your bliss champion. It's really important because we have too many bullies 
mm-hmm. in our lives telling us we can't Boys do Boys in our head. That too. <laughs> so uh, find yourself a Bliss Champion, irregardless if you do it through our company. Just go find yourself one. Wow. Oh, my God. You know, I always like to... Yeah. That's nuts. To, to me, I always yeah. like to remember that um, that guy did Summit Everest himself. Yeah. He went up with Tenzing, Ten, Tenzing Norgay. And look, I remember mm-hmm. his Sherpa's name more than his. He deserves his name remembered too. Sir Edmund Hillary. But he went up with the champion to support him along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, so this notion that we all fall trapped into, which is somehow it's about me doing it alone. That's so John Wayne, it's just so not true. Yeah. Go with somebody that cares about you, mm-hmm. that, that has a little expertise to lend mm-hmm. you. You know, I love that you said that too, Patrick, because I feel um, like the number one reason why people uh, are, like what comes in, in the face of being in fear is uh, feeling so alone because we can't talk about our secrets or we're too ashamed or embarrassed to say what we really want in life. And those ways of being, they end up isolating us to where we're left alone. And that's like the worst feeling is to have an abundant, amazing life around you, but still empty inside. And, you know, I I, I want to say a little bit more about that, too, because I just thought of something we talked about the other day is that... Um, we were talking about it's it's more so about um, like like you don't care how much money you're making you don't care about this and that this and that what matters more is um, the like the joy that you're feeling inside I can't tell you how many magic doorways I've had personally huge huge out of the blue opportunities that people would die for and the next day I'm depressed I think I shared one with you the next day I'm depressed completely depressed. And it's from that um, that lack of sense of innerness. And so that's, anyways, I just wanted to add that that's what, I, what came up for me, and that's what I love about what we're doing here. Um, so how would you, how would you describe, Patrick, how would you describe yourself um, when you were young? And if you're not sure how to answer that, think about what maybe one of your grade school teachers would say about you. Like, who were you when you were, like, baby Patrick? Fun. <laughs> I, I was. I know. I was. I was fun and playful because I was in my mid thirties, and my mom once pulled me aside and said, "Patrick, you're too serious. Like you're losing who you really are. You were always a really fun kid. So don't take life so serious, son." So my question about that was um, going to be, and still could be. Uh, what did you need to hear at that age? Was it what your mom said? What, what, like in your dream world, oh, when I was that six year old, I needed to hear this at that time. I don't know. I'm sorry. So, um, okay. So I'll give you an example. So when I was, um, when I was growing up, I, I was, as you guys know, I was adopted and I grew up in a very white world and I was literally like the only Asian person in the white world. Cause I grew up in South Dakota and Wyoming. Can you imagine that? And, um, see, you can't imagine it, right? Am I blowing your mind right now? Yeah. And um, I remember, and I, I, I highly, if I'm going to move into, like, blame territory, which is kind of fun because then I don't have to take as much responsibility. <laughs> if I move in blame territory, I 100% know that that's where I lost my sense of self because I was constantly trying to be who I wasn't. I didn't want to be Asian. I didn't want to be short. Um, and all my friends were white. 
really pretty blonde hair, really thin and taller. And I wanted to be them so badly. So I completely lost track of who I was. But I didn't even want, I wanted to lose track of who I was because I wanted to be somebody else. But what I wish when I look back at that kid who was, you know, six to, like six years through into um, high school, is I wish that I could have told myself um, that, like, what a gift, like, what a gift you are to be in this world, in this space, and to be, you know, adopted by this loving family. And, you know, I wish someone would have told me uh, how unique and special I am, and I wish someone would have given me more information that there's more people in the world than just white people. Because when you're young and you haven't done much traveling, you think it's just what you see. So what would you have told your younger self that you needed to hear that would have made it... mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's freaking an awesome invitation. I totally appreciate that. I love it. You know, because first of all, I want to acknowledge that my mother was my first bliss champion. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gave me these remarkable messages that live inside me, and I see the long standing impact. My mother was very, this is a woman of a GED education, you know, raising us in a trailer house um, on her own as a single parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to, often trying to figure out how the heck am I going to buy a Christmas present. But she was so wise in that she would say, boys, do what you love. And don't worry about your mistakes. Those were her two primary messages. Do what you love, don't worry about your mistakes. And then she gave one other message that was really interesting to me. She would say, and learn to work with your mind. Mm-hmm. She goes, I work with my back, which is honorable and wonderful, but each generation is supposed to next, lift the next generation higher. So I want you boys to go much further and higher than I even know how to tell you mm-hmm. how to get there. Mm-hmm. So what she couldn't tell me that I wish she, that, that I would have benefited from mm-hmm. is if someone had really imprinted on me. Although you see trailer houses mm-hmm. and grocery store clerks mm-hmm. and licensed practical nurses who are struggling financially, although that's all you're surrounded to and that's all you're exposed to as mechanics, mm-hmm. you, Patrick, mm-hmm. can go live wild dreams mm-hmm. that are based on your most creative self and your most fun self. Mm-hmm. And you can make a difference. Mm. And it sometimes take one person, just like it can take one person to shut you down, too. Um, so easy. It was little Eric. Yeah. So easy. Um, can we, someone get some water for them? Sorry. Yeah, just in case you have water. Uh, I would define myself as a kid as a dreamer. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is I had four older siblings, and mm-hmm. they all went to the same high school, basically, and it was a sports factory. You know, one of those schools, like modern day, uh-huh. you know, in SoCal, always winning the championships. So uh-huh. I was brought as a child, I think uh-huh. it was a form of babysitting, to every varsity game at this high school for a decade. <laughs> it probably was a form of babysitting. So as a child, my heroes were, weren't Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. They were the stars of this high school. Yeah. I could, to this yeah. day, I can name them and their numbers, you know. And so I grew up idolizing these folks and then... When I was in my front yard uh-huh. with the basketball hoop in the garage, I was them. I wasn't trying to be Mike. I right. was trying to be them. And so I had one sole obsession uh-huh. throughout my entire childhood was to be like them. Uh-huh. I was so inspired yeah. that till my knuckles were bleeding, I was out playing hoops until mom would force me to come in at night at night because the lights went out until I found a way to oh, fix the light that. to my court. <laughs> um, so ultimately, the one thing, though, that I would 
ask for somebody to tell me along that journey is that there's going to be bullies along mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. that are going to try to take your dreams away. Fortunately, it happened and I had the right response, which was, no, you won't take this dream away. And I don't need to tell that whole story now. But I was fortunate to But where did that come that from? Res- no, you can't take that story away. Fortunate. So uh, my dream came true. Uh-huh. I was the third sophomore in the history of the school to be pulled up to varsity basketball. And I was a starter. Wow. But my junior year, I was the quarterback of the football team. So we went into the playoffs, which meant I came out late for basketball. Mm-hmm. And the coach penalized me by not playing me half the season. I'm on this bench just like... I'm ready to go berserk. Uh-huh. This is my biggest dream, and it's being taken away from yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Simply because I was on the football team, uh-huh. and he told me I wasn't in basketball shape. What he didn't know is I woke up at 5 a.m. every morning. My mom was a grammar school coach. Uh-huh. My dad took me to a gym, and I trained from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. every day before school. So that wouldn't happen because I was watching for a decade, and I saw it happen to every other football player. Um, so I did the work. Wow. If I hadn't done the work, I might have just taken my beating and waited like everyone else. But I did the work. I was in basketball shape. I was ready to go. And he took my dream from me. So I transferred. Wow. My dad was president of the board of directors of mm-hmm. the school, mm-hmm. building a wing for the school, a construction guy. Mm-hmm. All my brothers went there. I'm the quarterback. I'm the point guard. I'm the baseball player. And I transferred. And I transferred to a public school nobody's ever heard of that had never won a championship. We didn't have banners hanging. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately at my new school, that year I ended up finally getting to start and we won the championship. Mm -hmm. But I went to my new school and guess what? We won the same championship. Oh my God. So uh, it was the only, the third banner that the school had ever won in any sport in the history of the school. And so that taught me at a young age, don't, if you do the work, you're not entitled, but if you do the work, don't let anyone take away your dreams. They're not entitled. Wow. I can't imagine being that age and saying, I'm not going to school there, mom and dad. I'm yeah. How about here. leaving all your friends? I love my friends at my high school. They weren't the problem. And starting over at another school where everyone's already has their friend bases. Oh my God. That is um, crazy bold. And from a private school young. to a public school. So yeah. there were so many changes that yeah. happened. But it rewarded me the rest of my life because I have confidence now. Uh-huh. If someone tries to take away my dream, uh-uh. I, I have a favorite quote, and it, it probably comes off one way to certain people until I explain it. Mm-hmm. But everyone tells me I'm wrong, so I must be right. <laughs> right? Because yeah. why trust the 99% of the world that aren't dreamers with your dreams? Right, right. Right? Right. You know something that shocks me mm-hmm. about uh, that, that through our work at Bliss Champions? is when we started, I presume that an easy question to help people, to help us help people live their bliss fully expressed was to say, hey, who's your bliss hero? Like, mm-hmm. who do you just go, oh, them, like, mm-hmm. I love to be. And so in the story Eric just told, to me a key driver is he had bliss heroes. He had people that he would uh, like them. Yeah. And that's a, if you, when you have one, it's a magnet. And then people can help you go, oh, you want to be like that? You want that ability? Yeah. And then you can start to discern how they behave and you can uh-huh. move forward. And they're constant inspiration because they're at a, they're 20 years ahead of you, right? In their mastery. So the ginormous one, the ginormous shocks and eye openers for where we had to get better at mm-hmm. assisting people was almost everybody that came through our doors did not have bliss heroes. Mm-hmm. So something about the times we're living in 
has not encouraged people enough to say, find the person in the world that you do idolize for their talent mm-hmm. or their ability. Not for their lifestyle, for their talent or ability. Mm-hmm. And embrace that you do. Embrace that your soul says, yes, like that. I want some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, give yourself permission to have them. Like it's somehow it seems like people want to just feel like it's, it's somehow cool to not idolize somebody mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. really or be afraid to claim it's that like, you I'm want to be like them. Yeah, I'm gonna Maybe make it's a fear that you want to claim mm-hmm. to be that great at something. Claim that mm-hmm. claim that you want to be that great at something. It's joyful to be on the journey to be great at something. Mm-hmm. And no less. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me prove that to you. I'm yeah. 48. Uh-huh. I don't consider myself a person with a great memory. I can barely remember college. Kaz well, Taylor. why is that? Kaz Taylor. <laughs> Kaz Taylor, number 11. Eric Scherenberg, number 12. You've never heard of these people. Uh-huh. Terrence Mullins, number 23. Ralph Roberts, number 24. Pat Juicy, number 40. Those were my bliss heroes. Those were my heroes when I was eight years old. I know they're numbers. Wow. Have you ever reached out to them today and said, no. You're never going to believe it, but... Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, guess I just mine. always have new Bliss Heroes. I guess they right. might. All right. Yeah. Tom Peters, John Leguizamo, Spalding Gray, uh-huh. Josh Shry, Will Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Carl Sagan. Mm-hmm. See, those are mine. Mm-hmm. All right. Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the Italian guy? Roberto Benigni. Sure. Like... When you start to really absorb, like, who does catch your, not your mind's attention, who grabs your heart or soul's attention, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's this universe's way of saying, it's one of the primary ways of it saying, that's who you want to become. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually, that. it's an interview question to get into Bliss Champions, is we ask you to name a Bliss Hero, and if you can't, well, I'm telling people this now, but you don't get in. <laughs> You don't get in. Yeah. You need to have a bliss uh-huh. So we've said two things here. Find yourself a bliss champion, whether it's us or somebody uh-huh. else in your life. Number two, have bliss heroes. Yeah. So. Have someone that you want to be. Yeah. 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 I mean, you don't want to, you know, like. Your version you're gonna, of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever in whatever talent, look for talents or abilities mm-hmm. that you would dream to have, that mm-hmm. you might give half your lifetime to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because how profoundly joyful that that fantasy seems to be. Yeah, you know, I, um, I, I, I'll never forget, I love this quote from Jim Carrey. He says, um, I wish everyone would go out and get rich and famous and see that that's not the answer. And it just, like, yeah. really impacted me. Yeah. His insight is, is really remarkable. Uh, and I love that, mm-hmm. however... Mm-hmm. My wife and I have been fortunate enough to have filled up our circumstances mm-hmm. cup and it's mm-hmm. overflowing. Mm-hmm. The number one excuse I get, mm-hmm. I get, I think because of that, is I have to choose between my bliss and wealth. Mm-hmm. I hear it all the time and it's the biggest false excuse going. So I always kind of caution with that. I believe that the world will reward you based on your level of expertise. Uh And I think that a person becomes an expert by loving what they do, Uh right? Where you'll just like me on that basketball court as an eight-year-old. Mom, I'll come in. I swear. I know it's 10 at night and the moon's out and I can still see the hoop. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Or or Diane's painting, right? Diane's in our audience in case you're listening at home. 
she paints and she paints and she paints. So I think ultimately, um, if you work hard and you love what you do, you'll, you'll go on that path of expertise. Mm -hmm. So that's a forgotten piece is once we let everyone go home from a retreat, what we're looking for is for each of them to go for their excellence. Mm -hmm. And then the world will start to reward you for that. And mm -hmm. sometimes amazingly. And can, okay, so this is something that I feel like I, go, did you have anything to say? Yeah, please, yeah. This world has, is really moving to a black and white space. And, and, and the divider is pretty severe. Mm -hmm. If you're good at what you do, you're in trouble. There's not a lot of opportunities and there are a lot of threats for being good at what you do. If you're excellent at what you do, you're in pretty good safe territory. Mm -hmm. But if there's an entirely different world if you're great at what you do. But that, that gap is growing. We're moving into a creative economy. We're moving into an economy where who can execute on imagination and actual authentic expression, you know, a, a bold uniqueness that's been masterfully cultivated mm -hmm. is, you know, we're in a, in a culture that, a world that keeps reshaping itself based on those attributes that mm -hmm. bliss champions end up having. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, I mean, the number one thing I want from my kids is do whatever you love, just don't be good at it. Yeah. Be great. <laughs> and I'm a tough love guy on the whole subject of building uh -huh. wealth. And I'll, I'll look someone straight in the eye and say, you want to make more money? Be better at what you do. Yeah. Get better. Mm -hmm. Work at your craft. I, I meet musicians all the time because mm -hmm. I know I own a theater. And I ask them to rate themselves. And they're, you know, they're not getting very far with their mm -hmm. career. They certainly can't make a living. They have another primary job. And I ask them to rate themselves in their craft. You know what the average answer is? On a scale of 1 to 10? Just guess. 4. 8. They give oh. themselves an 8. I don't give Beyonce an eight, and she's the wealthiest singer in the world because she's not the best singer in the world. Can you imagine if Beyonce was the best singer in the world? What would she make, a billion dollars a year? I mean, to each his own, but... Right, right. So ultimately, I meet people that can't make a living that are rating themselves an eight, uh -huh. and that means they're not self-aware. Right. That rating should be a two or, or I'm a, a one. I'm the best. Right? Because, yeah. So that they have... A trajectory that they're trying to get mm -hmm. to so mm -hmm. you have to work very very hard to be an expert in anything mm -hmm. but I do feel the world will reward you just like Beyonce have you ever seen the videos of her as a child putting in the work mm -hmm. they're amazing yeah well not only that but when you um, when you put in the work then uh, I mean just the the pride that comes with all of that as yeah. well um, I wanted to ask you this on subject with this. So I, 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 this is my personal opinion. I feel that way, way, way more people in the world don't have their one thing than the people that do. And so what do you tell someone who, um, you know, what if they don't want to be, create their own thing? What if they don't want to do this or don't want to do that? What if they're like, what do you tell someone that may not have a one thing? Because I, uh, I, I'm, I know I do this myself, and I have my one thing. I've had so many people say comments like, oh, you know, I love listening to inspiring podcasts, but then I feel like shit afterwards about my what I'm doing because I don't know what I want to be doing. And, you know, I do that too. I had one of, one time, I, I really admire this, but I had one of my girlfriends, um, I hadn't talked to in a very long time, she phoned me after I did this Instagram post, and she said, 
you know, I just want you to know that I'm so proud of you. And I also just want to be really authentic with you and let you know that when you posted what you posted, I immediately felt so envious because I wanted to be where you are. But I just wanted to share that with you because I, it's nothing but admiration. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's amazing that you said that because I do that too. Like I look at something and I'm like, oh, that, then I feel like I'm going nowhere in my life. So what do you say to somebody who may not have that, that, that one thing? Because I don't think it's super, I don't think it's the majority. Or, or maybe you do. Maybe you do. Erica's giving you yeah, the Yeah, I'm giving you the eye yeah. because uh, <laughs> I believe you started this entire question with your own limiting belief about that subject. Mm-hmm. So I believe the opposite. I believe that everybody has that one thing inside of them. And I have had personal development companies over the last 20 years that have done over $100 million in revenue simply on that belief. And so I don't accept the premise. I don't mm-hmm. mind the question. Though. Right, right, and right. And so yeah. ultimately what I would do with that is, is I would dismiss that and point that out from a self-awareness standpoint as a limiting belief to begin with and then start doing the work to unearth that one thing that is inside of that mm-hmm. person. It might mm-hmm. take time. Right, You might right. have to dig through a lot of stuff. You might have okay. to bring a psychologist in like we have yeah, at our yeah, retreats. Yeah. And ultimately, though, I do believe that it's there. And I think Patrick does, too. Yeah, you know, to, to me, uh, you know, a metaphoric solution comes mm-hmm. to mind, which speaks to the same thing, his, mm-hmm. his, which is show me the person that, you know, and I've been having this conversation for 25 years with people mm-hmm. from stages and stuff, which is, you know, follow your passion, live your bliss, right? Do what you love. And I know that the majority of people sit in audiences and go, oh, what is it? I don't know what mine is. Mm-hmm. But I do know that metaphorically, if it said, oh, well, I'll help you discover it, we'll know it within maybe by the end of the day or by tomorrow, uh, possibly a week, if I could just follow you around through your day. Because I'd know what we're looking for. We're just looking for where you get excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The tone of somebody's voice is a tell. You know how they yeah, tell? Yeah, and their face. So yeah. when someone describes their career in a monotone, mm-hmm. They are in the wrong career. Mm-hmm. When someone describes something with passion and excitement, mm-hmm. we just hear that. So we read tells in people, and that's why I actually believe it's inside of everybody. You know, you're very, you're very empathetic, uh-huh. much more so than me. <laughs> so I think that your empathy is allowing that, you that, with that empathy, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. well, well, so based on what you just said, what I think of um, that you said yesterday, Patrick, was that. Um, Anything outside of what you want is fear talking because fear's only job is to say, hmm, what can I tell you today that will have you think you can't do that? Oh, I know what it is. You think you don't have one thing. Is that what you're saying? Fear is saying, your fear is saying, oh, you don't have well, one thing. I think you're not you, one of I those people. I think even that, and it's easy to find other people that will agree with you. So yeah. now you're all of the same belief and value system that, yeah. oh, we just don't have that one thing. Yeah. You know, we, we've got Epic Mike here, you know, who, who is almost fully, totally qualified as what we call uh, people kind of graduates that mm-hmm. have been Epic on their journey and earned the title of Bliss Champion because he's now a champion of his own bliss mm-hmm. and able to champion other people on their bliss. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite humans based on what he's how he's shown up in this program. Mike came to us and said, uh, I don't have anything except that I love to ride my Harley. Mm-hmm. Do you hear it? So that's it. That's the bliss. And now he's building an epic business that will enable him to not only ride Harleys every yeah. day, profit from riding Harleys, 
but serve other people in an epic way by taking them and mm -hmm. sharing his 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 particular unique uh -huh. gifts on a Harley ride. In, in do you hear it though? Do you hear yeah. it? Like a billion people can line up. I've heard people over line up and say the only thing I like to do is play video games. Oh, can I introduce you to T squared? Who's T squared? Oh, he's my buddy. He makes three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year because he. Well, it's hard to say he plays video games because he's an athlete at video games now. He's a professional um, athlete at video yeah, games. Very cool. He and took it, I see, I get loved. it. Yeah, I get it. That's and great. it was so easy because when Mike described how he felt, I asked him to describe how he felt uh -huh. when he wrote his Harley. <laughs> he just went on and on and on. It was amazing. Uh -huh. And it was just so obvious. So it was just yeah. a simple thing like, hey, have you ever considered a career? I didn't know what the career was going to be. Right. Just in writing Harleys. And that ultimately led to this. And if you were to ask Mike, Mike, does it really matter that you've yet to make a dollar from your new business that we technically haven't actually started yet, right? It's all strategic. Does it matter that you haven't made a dollar yet? Would you give it back if you knew you wouldn't make a dollar from it? No, I love it too much. Yeah. It's the discovery mm -hmm. of that. So, you know, that that's really exciting. So I would encourage you and your friends to find a different way, change your pattern mm -hmm. of how you receive inspiration and how you use it. Mm -hmm. Because I think that it's gotten to a point in personal development where inspiration is not working, mm -hmm. and that's a problem. Inspiration needs to if work. There's no action. Yeah. Because it's become entertainment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't know that. I, I've shared this story with so many audiences, but to me, it's just the it's just the perfect example of how it operates in so many people. I do a talk. And this guy comes up to me afterwards, and he's like, can I do a magic trick for you? And I'm like, please. He does this extraordinary, amazing magic trick. I'm like, oh my god, you're going to be a magician when, when you leave college. And he's just like, oh. he hid those cards as fast as possible and said, no, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm like, oh, you love engineering? Uh, kind of. My dad said it's a good job. And there, there it was, just all right there. And I said, uh, but, but your, your bliss is in magic and your phenomenal, it's turned you into this phenomenal. And you're, you at your best, I mean, I love being entertained by you. You know, follow this, that's where all your rewards and treasures are. They're your greatest adventures and your greatest financial success. And he goes, nah, it's just a hobby. I'm not going to be the next David Blaine. Mm. That's fear. Mm. Somehow society convinced him he can make $45,000 as an engineer, and that's not risky. Right. But there's magic thing. Mm hmm Yeah. Because people are taking advice from people that didn't go on the journey themselves. Mm hmm And those are not good people to choose as your champion. Those are your bullies, right? Not the playground bully. It's often someone that loves you, and they think that you can't do what your dreams are all about. So they don't want your heart to break, so they convince you not to do it. Yeah. And we believe them. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, in the year uh, 2010, I finished my teacher, my yoga teacher training in 2009. And back in 2010, it wasn't normal to make a living from teaching yoga. Like we've, yoga's blown up at this point, but back then it was not. And just people were so baffled that I thought, they thought, people were confused that I thought I could pay my rent through teaching yoga. So you're like, oh, and it to oh, this day is still say? paying for all my bills teaching uh, yoga. Can, can I tell you a quick story about yeah. one of our staff members? Yeah, her name's Kenzie Monopoly. Uh -huh. She uh, runs a company called Spa from Ordinary with their partner Natalie Edwards. 
and they've been our staff here for mm -hmm. a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, there was a moment a year ago at a retreat where they were leading yoga in the morning, but by leading, I mean they had a computer and they were playing Yoga by Adrian, which mm -hmm. is a very famous yoga instructor online, right? But the Wi-Fi went out. So <laughs> it was like six guys and Adrian, you know, uh, these two who are just great at yoga and it went out and I remember immediately looking to Kenzie like, do something. <laughs> and I saw what I saw. And Kenzie, I saw her shoulder slump and I saw her head go down. And then I saw our other friend, Dr. Anthony, big studly stallion guy, shoulders back, jumped up there and took over and he led this yoga class to completion. And then what I saw was Kenzie's determination rise. And her and Natalie went to India about six months later and spent five weeks getting yoga instructor mm -hmm. from one of the best in the mm -hmm. world. And then they came back, and now guess who leads yoga at every Risk for Bliss retreat? Kenzie and Kenzie Natalie. Kenzie and Natalie, yep. right? They did it together. And their skill level's just going through the roof, and the level of confidence, it's mm -hmm. like, from shoulders down last May, yeah to now leading all of us. She's even starting to make videos of her leading instructions. We're, so. we're doing yoga on branded spa for ordinary yoga mats. Like everything's just getting more blissful. Uh -huh. I love it. So I think that's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. What scares you the most? Mm -hmm. You know, are you willing to take that risk? And then once you take the risk, are you committed mm -hmm. enough to fly to India? Well, and and, you know. and why? See, it's always the or same. Lake but it's always the same yeah. stuff. See, and and why uh, were we watching Yoga by Adrian? Right, that was because mm -hmm. she had a bliss hero. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. So she is now courageously claiming in herself, mm -hmm. "I want some of that mm -hmm. capability. I will give myself a shot mm -hmm. at being some, of becoming that." Mm -hmm. This is the greatest journey you ever go on. I mean, maybe people enter their bliss journey because they think in the end the rewards are going to be the best part. The rewards are remarkable. Mm -hmm. But the best part is always ask anybody that's gone on the journey will go, mm -hmm. no, it was in the becoming mm -hmm. every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Every day that I became a little more of who I dreamed to be was mana from heaven. Mm -hmm. And it would surprise me in the least if a couple of, no pressure on Kenzie, but in a couple of years from now, Adrian, Adrian's got a competitor. You know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I'm not putting that pressure on Kenzie. She's got a lot of talents, but it just won't. Mm -hmm. It would be, it would be not surprising in the least. It would just make sense. We'd be like, yeah, because yeah, we of could see that. Of course, that would happen. Right? Yeah. It's so amazing that other people can see in you what you can't see in yourself yeah. for a long time. You know? Oh boy. Wouldn't that be amazing if we were in a world that it was the natural thing was to see yourself how other people see yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yes and no. <laughs> um, I think, what time is it? Does anyone know what time it is? Okay, we need to wrap it up. Um, I wanted to... I, gosh, I feel like I have so many other great questions. Um, I wanted to... Oh, I thought we were ending at 1230. No, oh, okay. 1245. Well, you know, um, 
I, I, I want to ask you one more question each, and then I want to open it up and see if anyone in our audience wants to ask you guys a question. No pressure, you don't have to, but just in case someone does. Um, so... You're a really, really, really good interviewer. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're really good. That's like a dream. And you have one of the best laughs I've ever had. You're doing that? Alright. I think you better. You're gonna make me cry. Um, your ability to just be yourself here is amazing. Thank you. Um, so I want to know what keeps you guys up at night. It can be something good or something bad, but Kathy. what? What are you? <laughs> Actually, that's, that's a great answer. That's, that's my answer as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking it was going to be like, that's oh my god, what are my numbers on my my spreadsheet? Or what does the question mean? Like the question means like if if I can't sleep and I'm not caffeinated. Uh-huh. Why? What am I thinking about? Is that? Oh, um, y- because you answered the way you did. Yes, that's that's gratitude, the question. Gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude. You're asking the wrong guys this question because I okay. think the basis I think of the I question am. is what fears do you have and what anxiety do you have? And I haven't. I've had anxiety once since I was twelve. Uh-huh. Um, because I have found a way to program myself when it comes to fear. To evaluate mm-hmm. risk mm-hmm. and risk has done nothing but benefit me my entire life mm-hmm. so at the end of the day caffeine too late in the day is the only reason I don't sleep well at night mm-hmm. um, all pain and suffering we know comes from bringing the past forward mm-hmm. or having anxiety about our future so mm-hmm. neither of us suffers from anxiety about our future I suffer from bringing my past forward Patrick has a presence practice that he's really why I think he can become one of the enlightened people in the world is he's succeeding at eliminating pain and suffering from his life. Mm. I'm an amateur, just like everybody else. So, but when it comes to that second source of pain, which mm-hmm. is anxiety about the future, that's not something I really suffer from, um, and I'm proud of that. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing to be proud of. That's yeah. something, one of the reasons why I'm here this week is yeah. to bust through that. I think that, see, I think too that... Um, that from the story you told earlier, you learned at a young age, and it sounds like your parents were so good at, I mean, what kind of parents are going to say, okay, you can go to the whatever school you want to when you're in, right. like, a, like most parents would probably not let you do that. They're like, nope, you're yeah. going to the school, end of story. Yeah. And so I think that's amazing that you have that playground to get to, like, in your thought process, even, like, a playground of being able to think. It was a bliss champion move. Not only you could transfer high schools, but they had to move. They had to sell their home or move in order for me to be legal to play high school. And they did that. They did that. Yeah. What? That's that's a bliss champion right there. You're... Holy, yeah. you didn't but, say that. That yeah, is uh, I, I don't want the I don't want wow. the conversation about childhood to, yeah. to yeah. get confused though with you know with um, the fact that the universe uh-huh. is giving everybody the exact perfect childhood uh-huh. for their exact perfect calling. Right. So you're sitting next to someone so who his exact that. perfect setup was to have supportive parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The universe for me, my exact perfect setup was to have a loving parent who was suicidal. I am. I constantly help people tell their own life stories, so I hear their life stories, and all I ever hear are perfect setups, whether they were tragic, whether they were difficult. Mm-hmm. People that were told they were would amount to nothing was mm-hmm. the catalyst. 
that once the, once it took hold was the perfect setup for them to be the greatest expression. Mm-hmm. Your bliss hero, Oprah, another example mm-hmm. of the perfect setup in childhood yeah. to be exactly who she was meant to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we fall into pity parties about our childhood, we just haven't interpreted the story correctly mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. That yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that. But you know, triggers will keep anybody up at night. So for you know, sure, uh, I, yeah. I, I'll stay up at night if I've been triggered earlier in the day. Uh-huh. For sure, irregardless of how much coffee I've had, and it will. Okay, that's, okay. So triggers. <laughs> yes, we sure. all have triggers yeah. for sure. Those buttons that are that that make us go nuts. Uh, so then, in your in throughout your lifetime, have you ever sold yourself out? I came close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came close once. Um, you know, I uh, had the two careers that I really was enjoying, speaker mm-hmm. and comedic performer. Mm-hmm. And then um, this opportunity came around to build a personal development company um, and be invited in to be the content creator and director. Mm-hmm. And But what I was thinking about too much at that time, and it was blinding me to some integrity things, which eventually drove me out of the company and mm-hmm. I had to walk away from something I loved was I was really just hooked on the possibility of how much money could be made if I joined with these two guys in that particular business mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, what I'm very proud of is I stepped into that in my full integrity saying, well, I can make this better by giving my gifts and making the content as great as it possibly can with as much value. But where I see I sold out was by saying, would I have invented this business model? Do I, can I 100% endorse this business model? Do I think this business is going to be a, a, a blessing to everybody that joins it? And I just didn't want to look there deep enough. I was selling out. Mm, yeah. It's so, I just find little ways where I've sold myself out. Just by, you're right, by just not quite fully wanting to see that because I know that, I know that's going to, like shoot me right here. Just gonna feel it in my heart, you know. So I'll look this way a little bit longer. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Easier to look there. You're than... right. Yeah, I know that's happening. Yeah. But um, anyway, so what's going on over here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. In 1999, I was coming off a failure, a failed uh-huh. startup, and my partner in that failed startup, I believe, is sitting next to me. <laughs> it lasted all of three months. Um, <laughs> And I was in pain. I had a girlfriend that broke up with me. I had a torn Achilles tendon. Patrick, I flew down to see Patrick with my last $149 on Southwest Airlines. And all he could do was patch me up and encourage me and send me back home. And so for the first time uh, since I was 22, Uh I took my second job interview of my life. I'm a natural born entrepreneur. I have no place being in a job interview. And I did great in those first couple of interviews. This was with a company called garage.com. They were actually pretty well known in the sponsorship space. And I had a resume a mile long in sponsorship achievements with a warp tour and other things I did. And my final interview was with Silicon Valley icon Guy Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. And I went into Guy's office and he started to interview me. And in my soul, I knew how to answer the questions the way he wanted me to, to have this be a layup Mm -hmm. to be hired. I was overqualified. And uh, he asked me what my dreams were. (sighs) You had to ask that, didn't you? (laughs) I can't lie about his dreams. I told him him my dream was to build this particular company. 
And uh, I didn't get the job. And I went back home and I spent four hours writing a business plan for a company called University of Dreams. And uh, that company went on to do $100 million. So I saw a guy, Kawasaki, uh, in my theater in Redwood City recently. And he was a keynote speaker and he was on his way out and I stopped him. And I thanked him for rejecting me. And then, of course, he got nervous, like, is this some wacko? And uh, I said, thank you. You know, 20-some years ago, I, I had a final interview with you, and you turned me down. And I didn't get a job that I was overqualified for. Thank you. And he's like, who are you? And I say, oh, I'm the guy that owns this theater that you just spoke on my stage. So I love that. Would you have said yes? Do you think back then when you were 22, if he did offer it had I, Had I said yes, I would have sold out. In all of this, okay, so all but of, you were planning so on saying my yes. My life would have so, changed so, Yeah, you so, were planning on saying yes, though, right? So Eric did sell out at a different time in his life, but he doesn't associate it with the language. But yeah. I'm going to let him tell this story because it's really sure. on point for the bliss journey. He sold out at a point in his 20s when yeah. he uh, when he started saying, hey, let me be the party king, the party host on a beach. Do you know what I'm saying? Your primal yeah. needs? Yeah. Manhattan I'm, Beach? Wait, which, I'm sorry, I was thinking about a different moment. <laughs> no, the story that you share in Whiskey is all the time. There's more than one. You can't remember. No, 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 no. I'm thinking about, no, when, when, you're, and when you're helping us understand, like, hey, for a while there, I turned away from the primary needs, meeting them in a positive way that was generating all this success I enjoyed. And right. then you started, got a place in Manhattan Beach. Right. You started just saying, hey, I can get these same needs met by just making sure everybody here's got tons yeah. of liquor. And Yeah. So one of the things we do is we talk about primal needs and the uh -huh. primal needs, there's four of them. It's certainty, variety, significance, and love and connection. Uh -huh. And I moved to LA with nothing but a thousand dollars in my car and my clothes, uh -huh. totally determined to be a success in the entertainment industry. And I became successful in just three years. In the third year, I started the Vans Warped Tour, longest running tour music festival in America, in the history of America. And so ultimately, I was really proud of that, but then it went to my head. And <laughs> I started uh, meeting those primal needs in negative ways mm -hmm. instead of positive ways. Mm -hmm. I had an entourage of out-of-work actors and actresses that were on my payroll, basically, um, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and Sundays. And uh, I lost <laughs> myself, and in three years, I went from a guy well on his way to being a multimillionaire to losing everything and being $200,000 in debt. So uh, what Patrick's referring to is that was me selling out my inner self, right? right yeah. I was reaching to a point For where sure. I sold a company one time that I shouldn't have. Um, that I bought back later. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking that might be oh, a sellout. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the biggest sellout, right, is, when, is, we, inside, is yeah. when we trade progress on something that our soul is calling us to do, you know, our bliss journey, and instead go, hey, why don't I just live on Facebook? It's, yeah. I, it does a lot for me. Oh, man, if, <laughs> if Facebook was there back then, I would have been the shit. You would have been I, famous. I, I would have been, been so Facebook famous. <laughs> you would have been so <laughs> jealous of my life. <laughs> There's nothing to capture your life back then, huh? But it's an There's interesting no sellout, isn't it? Yeah. It's an interesting sellout. Well, that's the number one, though, is selling out your insides. Yeah, so. yeah. Knowing that there's something you kind of feel called to do, but instead, you know what, life's good. All these people, people are liking my posts. I got the liquor flowing. I am having fun every weekend. Yeah. yeah. You want to ask me if I'm happy? Oh, yeah. It was super fun dancing last yeah. night. It was super fun. And then here's this thing over here where you're like, you know, you'd love to start that mm -hmm. really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was tw- I was 26 and I had a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> of course, it didn't matter; it was used. In my mind, it was like the newest model. And your friends were like, "Oh my gosh, yes, Mercedes Benz!" Exactly. Your friends thought you were so cool. Oh yeah, we always drove with the windows down and the music up. <laughs> because it was important and you knew that that yeah. was my Mercedes Benz so you know I became a schmuck in about five seconds in LA oh, I and love it it took a while to come yeah. back and rebuild and lose all those bad uh-huh. attributes that I yeah. somehow brought on you gotta yeah. be careful big black cars and we got stories how we slept with all the movie stuff <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that. Thanks, thanks for sharing that story. Thanks for reminding me about that story. Um, does anyone out in our audience have any questions? Anything? There's small audience. All right. Uh, so I thank you. Mm-hmm. Kim. <laughs> yes, Patrick. <laughs> Where's your bliss calling you to? Like, if this just goes it just the universe says yes uh-huh. to this and you're doing the work where do you where's what do you see I see myself um, hanging out uh, under Oprah's oak tree with her mm-hmm. and I see myself um, uh, sending a text message to Michelle and saying are we ready and she says yep and we walk on stage together that's what I see and Kim, what's and your... I'm moderating her um, her interviews for her her tours. Michelle, everyone knows Michelle. Yeah, yeah. of course. Do I need to say the last name? And Kim, Kim, <laughs> share with us what your why is that you recently learned. My why is that I want um, I want people to feel that they're worthy of of their life um, because that's what I want for myself. I want to feel, yeah, I want to feel, thanks to our conversation, Eric, I want to feel that, I mean, something I'm super clear on is the path that I'm on, super clear, no doubts, 100 million percent confident on my path. What I'm not as, what I'm struggling with is, um, is that, like, why am I the person that was given this life? How come it wasn't somebody else that's better or that's, yeah. And we call those? We call those um, fears. Yep, limiting <laughs> beliefs, right? The reasons that everything that comes after your bl- your bliss is just fear yeah. saying, oh, yeah. what can I tell Kim to shut her down today? Right, and at Bliss Champions, we'd ask you to write a list of why you yeah. are that person and why you deserve to be that person. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what's a why? Like, what, why? What's your why now? Like, why? 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 why Why? do I deserve it? Because yeah. I was given this beautiful life and I was chosen to take on this path, this message of, you know, of um, awareness and community to, you know, raise money and raise money for uh, social justice for kids. And that's my, my duty in life. So, yeah. And, and can I ask another yeah. question? Yeah. Are you are you more of an expert at asking really thought provoking questions of inspiring people than say Rob over there? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Really. No. Really. So Rob, who doesn't ever do that, is more talented oh, at asking um, questions than. Well, Rob. I mean, it's not Rob's calling to do that. So right, Rob, so, that I know of. That's correct. <laughs> but that that is my. Just point. like I'm so, never going to be a physicist. Right. In my, uh, in my life. 
but your empathetic response at first was no. He has no experience. He doesn't right. even care if he I say he's, he's not a good question answer. Right. But you just your first answer was that he's better. So right, I get what you're saying. Now let me yeah. ask it again. Who's the best in this room at asking thought-provoking questions on I'm the podcast? I'm the best in this room. Right? Yeah. Who's the best in the world at that? But who's the, who's the bliss hero? Oprah. Yeah. Oprah's my bliss hero. So here you are. Here okay. she is. Enjoy the journey. Yeah. And then to me, what I add into it is, who's the best in this room? You. Who desires it for some mysterious reason the most in this room? To sit down and do interviews with people. Me. Isn't that mysterious and wonderful? Yeah. And is, is, could it be enough to just go, I don't know why. I desire it so much. Yeah. But I can acknowledge that I do. Yeah. For some reason I do. And what if that seed of desire was implanted in you at birth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just saying, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. It was, because I've always, always been super curious. Curiosity runs, runs me. So sure. what if you didn't even need to know why you had that desire? The greater need was to acknowledge that it just was. Mm-hmm. And maybe... In some other universe or time frame that we don't understand as humans, the the why you were given that task was revealed. Mm-hmm. But maybe during this body, you don't need to know why. Mm-hmm. You just need to go. I don't know why. To yeah. this way, I do because I can't tell you why. But I'm running with it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you. There's no logical, practical. There's no reason why I desire to go on a stage mm-hmm. and entertain an audience. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. You just do. I just do. You just have confidence. As should you. I've been yeah. interviewed dozens of times, not as many as this gentleman over here, but this is the best interview I've ever sat for. So I believe in you. I believe that's a true statement. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oprah Winfrey has interviewed in my theater, so I can compare her as an interviewer mm-hmm. to you, having sat 10 feet away from that interview. And I think you have the potential to be the next Oprah. I don't like to say this sentence out loud, but for your benefit, I will. Uh-huh. I've, been in, I've been interviewed by Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. You're infinitely better than mm-hmm. Barbara Walters. Yeah, with a way better laugh. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I appreciate you guys showing up for us today. <laughs> Sarah and Andrew, this is how we, we're like sending love to people as we, and then we just like place our love on people. Kim, we're not sending love to people. We're sending love to you right now. I'm sending it back though. <laughs> thank you so much. That was super fun. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>